so welcome to Bonehead, Mr. Hester. So nice to meet you. So nice to talk to you. We've been we will try to watch a couple of your movies in the last few days, and it's great to have you on. Uh, we've been well, talking a few minutes before we recorded. Go ahead, Chad. Well, no, I'll just say let's just uh, we should introduce that we are talking to Kyle Hester, uh -huh. actor, producer, special effects extraordinaire. <laughs> Right. Well, hey, man, thanks. I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank no. you. No. Well, last week we had William Sendell, the production designer for uh, Master and Commander, the Flintstones, Hocus Pocus, Robocop. So you're in good, decent company, if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> How can I follow that? All right. You, no, no, no. You, see, I'm supposed to see what you do to make you guys look good. You don't have me follow the guy that like, you know, was a production designer for Master and Commander. You have me follow somebody that like, you know, he delivered the pizza and he's trying to start <laughs> this new, you know, club and they're going to do scenes on the weekends. No. I can follow that. <laughs> no. So the, the problem with our friend, now we call him Bill because God forbid we call him Mr. Sandell or William, you know, we call him Bill. He's a very nice guy. We, we've had a several people, we've had, a, we've had an Oscar winner on the show, but uh, Bill, is that I, we probably relate more to you, Kyle, if that makes sense. Right only, on. Only difference is, is you're more successful at it. I always say we're just failed filmmakers who turned to podcasting in our 40s or late 30s. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? I, I, I call bullshit on that. Does, no, 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 no. Because you can, you guys could do a film all you have to do is just decide to do it it's oh like you, but uh, you know what i mean yeah no no we've done several we just realized we needed to eat and make a living <laughs> oh that, well you know what here's the thing now all you, if you've done several already are they like are they streaming are they online are oh they're short films we've never done a full-length feature Okay, see, all, see here's the secret here's the thing that people don't think about is all a film is is a long short film yeah, that's true. Yes. That's true. That's it. You that's know, so, so if you just if you just go into it with that, it's all the same stuff. It's the same people, same equipment, same actors. You know, you just the story arc is longer, and um, and you get to put it up on streaming sites and say you did a movie. That's true. That's true. A friend of ours has been on the show, is a low budget producer here in town, and he just he's got um, his last film. Uh, Nick Browns is on Amazon, right? Yep. Hey, James is here. James is James, here. you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm James Thomas. Uh, I actually was the one that contacted you via Twitter, so thank you for... Uh, oh, wait to get a light to the game. We already told him all that shit. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I literally had this all set up. I went away, and my computer did the, you need an update, so we'll just go ahead and restart. We've already so, told him the story how you update every damn week. It does. It's nothing that is that awesome. Thing. So yeah. uh, I, I want to hijack... Um, the podcast for a few minutes to tell a story and that's Kyle because and, we, have, we have a guest and this story <laughs> Mr. Hester was nice <laughs> enough to come on the show well, hold on and and this story is how Kyle Hester ruined Easter oh. so, <laughs> all right so all right. this is this is gonna be good so you here goes a religious bastard Mr. Hester so <laughs> when James Thomas uh, announced that he had booked you. We were excited. So I did my research on you and uh, we, I just watched one of your recent movies that you were in and produced called the chair, which um, if you're listening to this podcast right now, uh, go to Tubi. It's an app that can be downloaded for free 
It has tons of streaming movies for free. And one of those is Kyle's uh, movie, The Chair. Highly recommend watching it. So the thing with Tubi though, is that there are commercial interruptions. Um, I don't know the um, algorithm, if they're in random or in, they're in certain spots. But um, I was watching it and midway through, Kyle, you'll know this scene, through the Tudley scene, mm. um, right after your part, mm -hmm. as soon as you finished, it cuts to commercial. And the commercial is a certain chocolate egg that is popular around this time of year. <laughs> so I see your O face. Could it, could it rhyme with Bradbury? <laughs> yes, it could, it, could, it could rhyme with Radberry. Bradbury, not Radberry. Radberry. What Bradbury. the fuck is a Radberry? <laughs> or either of those work, but yes. So, and it's, it's, um, it's a commercial that everybody should be familiar with around our age group. It's the one they've been airing for years about the different animals auditioning for the role of the bunny. So yeah. cut, cut to the commercials over. I'm like, that's oddly placed. And then it cuts right back to Tudley laid out over a table with blood and other fluids <laughs> dripping down past his face. So I will not be able to eat one of those delicious eggs anymore without biting into it and seeing that yellow center and seeing a brown one now. So <laughs> Oh my God. I am so sorry that you had to, that, you know what, that's a cruel trick of like of of zeros and ones and i'm not sure that anyone could have planned that any better than the ai that does that kind of commercial placement you know, out of all the places to cut into it right dead center of that scene which is really funny because chad you know what commercial i got uh, it was tell. for it was for dawn for cleaning <laughs> And it literally was like, oh, it's gentle on hands. And I'm like, well, I would hope after that it needs to be. <laughs> um, I would hope. I mean, uh, yeah, you need to clean that. You know what? This, okay, this is the first time that I've ever had an in-depth discussion about that particular scene. Oh, really? So, I mean, it's been touched around because of what it is. But, uh, but yeah, commercial placement during that scene. <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. Well, hopefully it doesn't suck as bad as you thought it might. So that's all. That's really all. We tell a lot of guests that this is going to be a fun time. Just come and play with us. We'll have a good time. And my wife, eats, my wife eats Bradbury eggs. <laughs> religiously so. and, it's, and he's not talking about Cad, Cadbury Ray Bradbury has his own egg yeah don't get a suit Joe <laughs> <laughs> something Easter this way comes alright so that's a little probably too literary for and we, we're going to talk about the chair definitely going to talk about the chair but I'm sure there's some we're, we're going to lead into that but just wanted to share the story of how Kyle ruined Easter so <laughs> Back to us doing research and reading about you a little bit. You were born in New Orleans, and your father was a professional football player, right? And your yes, mother was a cheerleader? Yeah. So yeah. talk to me about how you fell in love with cinema. This is a question we ask a lot of people, and a lot of people have similar answers, but I'm always curious to hear. How did you fall in love with celluloid? How did you end up in the movies? What, what was the passion that drove you? Well, it was um, kind of a the, – the route was through theater, and, yeah. and that I caught that bug early. So that was like, um, I don't know, it was like one of those things where um, you're in the sixth grade and this is your first chance that you have at an elective. 
And um, so my elective, the first thing that I wanted to do was um, play the saxophone in band. So, so I was like, I want to be in band and play the sax because that's cool because all the cool dudes play the sax. Because oh, I've my God, we share so much in common. <laughs> with like Huey Lewis, you know, and like these videos are the bomb, you know. Right. So and then so I go to uh, I go to band, uh, the, you know, the first day of the elective class. And then they're like, oh, you, you have to buy an instrument. And like, you know, my mom was a hairdresser and she's a single mom. And um, she's like, I don't have $800 for a saxophone. Like that can't happen, you know? So it's like, oh, I got to pick something else. Right. So, so then, um, you know, I basically picked uh, drama. So, and that, and that was, that was kind of it. And then through then, like I'm in drama class and I, and I see, uh, you know, fame was on TV at the time and I'm watching this TV show and there's Leroy and he's like, you know, spinning around and dancing and jumping over mannequins and singing to these beautiful women. And I'm like, wow, all right, this is badass. So this is what I'm doing, you know? And I didn't have to buy a saxophone and, and I got to, uh, to sing and dance. And, and that, so that was kind of it. And you got to hang out with girls. Yeah, yeah, that was a plus. Yeah, if I, yeah I, I find it interesting that we have, not only have I heard a lot of interviews, but we've had a several interviews. It's like, oh no, drama, because of the ladies, right? I mean- it, I just hear that from a lot of guys, but anyway. So. Well, well, okay, okay, not not necessarily. That that wasn't like the thing, you know. <laughs> that was just one of those like, oh, this is cool too, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like one of one of those things. But added um, benefits. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's like there there are certain benefits that, that come along with um with that, but um yeah, I just fell in love with the with the whole with theater when when I was super young and. And I went to um, performing, the uh, Performing Arts High School in mm -hmm. Houston with the, it's called that, it's called the High School for the Performing and Visual Arts. And um, so you had to audition for that. And um, so it's just like the fame school. So I kind of got to do exactly what I was like, oh, this is going to be badass. And, and I, um, you know, got to actually dance on lunch tables, just like in the show. And yes, I did get in trouble for that, but it was worth it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So did you love movies growing up? Um, the movies happened in high school. Okay. So I'm, I'm like doing all these, all these plays. Uh -huh. And then this film comes out that everybody's talking about called The Shining yeah. with uh -huh. Jack, Jack Nicholson. And, um, and it was like that performance and the film just like the fully encompassing everything about it. It's like, what is this magic that I'm watching? Mm -hmm. And that, that's what hooked me, you know, was Jack Nicholson's performance in The Shining. It's like, I, I have to do this. Wow. Okay. Next question, please. Sorry, got a little quiet. Oh, no, no, no. So, no, I want to, I actually want to jump into your career because, um, and again, we're going to work slowly through it, but I want to ask a couple of questions about early on in your career. Um, so what was it like working on a video game in 1996? Um, that was really cool, actually. Um, yeah. That was uh, Pony Express Riders. So that right. was when 
they first started doing the uh, the first person where you could kind of it's kind of like choose your own adventure in a video mm -hmm. game. Yeah. Like when they first started doing that, and um, so the whole set was green screen. So that, you know, they, because you're in a game. So it's like, there's real actors and then they put you inside, you know, of, of the game. And you, so basically, you know, it's like, there's these big, big giant green boxes and that's like the bar or the table or, or whatever that's, um, that represents the physical thing in the game that you can't like walk through that because that's where the bar is. So don't do that because then you're a dick and I have to reshoot it. <laughs> so, um, so they kind of give things that help to idiot proof you know, what, what you're doing. And, um, so that was really, really interesting. And, uh, so yeah, I played, uh, Frank, Frank Ray. No, no, no James, no. I believe. Yeah. Frank James. Thank you. No problem. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so that was, uh, that was cool. And, and my, the character that I, <laughs> it's like, I think the reason I got a part that I got the part was because I chose something really like just kind of crazy. So I made, um, I made him have a stutter. And, um, yeah, so, so, and I just like went for it and this, and the director was like, wow, this is, this is just weird, but okay, keep going, you know? <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, I made, um, I made, um, it's like Frank and Jesse James is what it's about. It's about the Pony Express. Right. And, um, so yeah, so basically, um, gave Frank James a stutter and, uh, I don't even know if you can find the game anymore, but I've, no. I've never even seen it, but I know I went to schools and you know, all that kind of stuff, but it was, it was crazy. It was fun. I mean, does it have to be, is it a little bit, cause, and I, I, I kind of jumped ahead because you, you had a very busy year in 1996. Um, and I'd like to cover that year because there was some, some pretty significant work that you did in 1996, but you had straight acting roles until then. And then all of a sudden you're doing a video game. I mean, was that, was it, was it hard to transition to that, especially in 1996 when it literally was just a green screen, you know, there was not a whole lot of technology the technology was pretty early in its infancy yeah it's not yeah. like the avengers now where everything's shot in front of the green screen or most of it and i was curious how that is uh, just to follow up with chad i'm curious how that was transitioning as far as being an actor a professional actor well i think here's here's the thing about about that i think that like if if i've been acting like forever so mm -hmm. if, it's like if you put yourself in a character in a place no matter where the place is you're still acting yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's like whether it's a green screen or a person or or whatever, it's like you still have to do the thing, you know. So it and and that this is just my experience. So right. it may be different, um, you know, if people have a difficult time. Um, no, I, I have to see it. You have to build me the horse that I can look at the horse, you know, <laughs> like or you go, oh, that's a horse. OK, cool. There's a horse there. And then I just know that that's a horse. You know what I mean? No, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's like, so I'm not the asshole that needs, you know, to have someone build me a freaking horse for me right. to know that there's a horse there. Yeah, you know? Tom, Tom Hanks talked about doing it in the early, a little bit more in infancy as far as mocap and motion capture for the Polar Express. And he said that it wasn't too difficult. The thing that he actually missed the most was costume, having a costume. Huh. Yeah, anyway, I just... 
just I don't know because we had costumes. Okay. So it's so like I'm not sure what um, I mean maybe oh motion capture okay okay yeah that's motion different. capture yeah 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 yeah. So, he just so missed the having you know everything was fine he just missed having a costume because the costume yeah. helps so much build the character you know helps. Oh yeah yeah for sure that is absolutely true because it's like the layers on you know that's what right. helps to form the the characters the costume for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, I've never done, I've never like put on the, the suit and done uh, motion capture uh, specifically like that. But I, I guess he, oh yeah, of course he did that for um, the Toy Story movies. Well, I, I think he did it for like the Polar Express. But it, yeah, I, I got to ask you about John Frankenheimer and Andersonville. That was my neck. That was my follow-up. I'm sorry, yeah. Chad. No, 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 no. We were a trio. We're supposed to ask these questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, okay. Yeah. This, okay, here, there's. There's a story here to, oh, good. to Andersonville. So this was, um, I had come out of uh, CalArts and, and then I ended up in, in uh, after going to New York for a little while to see if I could get something going there. Then I heard that there was like, you know, Atlanta was this booming kind of situation for film and theater and, and all mm-hmm. that. So I had done a couple of shows at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta, which is like the big you know, their big Coca-Cola theater where all of the stuff happens at this mm-hmm. one big theater. And um, so I'd done a couple of shows there. And then I booked, uh, I booked this touring show called How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Right. That's right. a musical. Yeah. And so I had, I booked the lead in that. And so we were going to be, it's like a bus and truck uh, tour. So we were going to uh-huh. be touring the country on this show. And, um, and I auditioned for Andersonville. And so I had auditioned for Andersonville and then the director was planning, the director for the, sh- the, uh, the theater show was planning like the, the rehearsal schedule. So we're in this time of like, she's planning the rehearsal schedule. And then I got a call for a callback for Andersonville. And what I really wanted to do was film. So it's like, so here I am you know, in my twenties and here's this like fork in the road. You know, so it's like, what do I do here? You said, because if I go here, if I go on this tour and I pass up this opportunity for this film, I've kind of made my choice. You know, then I'm like, I'm touring theater guy. Yeah. You know, which which is a way I could have gone. But but I was like, no, I really want to do film. So I turned the show down. I turned the tour down like I had booked this tour for the opportunity to go to the callback for Andersonville. Right. So it was one of those things where it all could have blown up. I could have lost, like <laughs> I lost the tour, didn't get the film, you know, and, and here I am, you know, looking for the next thing, you That's know, ballsy, but, sir. Thanks, man. I didn't know it was going to work out either. So this is like, so the, the good thing about this story is that it did, you know? Right. So, and, and this actually, this story actually gets better. Um, okay. So I book, a tiny part, the part that I, that I booked was um, Sergeant of the Artillery, right. and he had like one day, one line. But, um, but it was the opportunity to get my SAG card and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so I show up on set, and, um, and you know, John Frankenheimer's, he was in a very, he was an imposing figure. He, he was like larger than life. Like he commanded the set. Like when he was on mm-hmm. set, everybody knows it. There's John it's time to get serious, you yeah. know, kind of thing. So, so here's John, John Frankenheimer's like, all right, everybody come on over here. Let's read through this. Let's read through the day. 
you know so then we uh we were reading through the sides and and i had gotten the sides earlier in the day and for those who don't know what sides are it's just like these little three by five pieces of script that you have the scenes of the day that the actors can hold on to mm -hmm. like in your pocket so you don't have to walk around with the whole script right so so i had the sides and i had read them all like earlier in the day and we're up there you know reading and i'm not in this particular scene but this actor you know that they're reading this scene with these other actors and i'm there watching and um and this one actor keeps messing up you know and you can see johnny who's just getting pissed and he he's like god damn it does anybody know these goddamn lines <laughs> <laughs> and then and then i kind of yeah and i i put i put my hand up and i'm like um i i know the lines you know because i had been studying the the script and i just happened to know him he's like come on over here let's read them so then i get up and i'm and i'm reading the lines with john frankenheimer and he's like <laughs> so we get through the scene and he's like all right you two you're gonna split this scene so i end so basically i now which was not a part that i had been cast as so basically i got half of this other kid's part so <laughs> they had um so it went to costume so we changed me you know into the proper attire which was in, in the galley i think and um so so we did like half of half and half so i took half of this kid's lines and and um and then at the end of the day you know john comes up to me and he's like i like you i'm gonna use you a lot in this film and he said i don't know how we're gonna do this but we're gonna do this so i went from playing that one part to then i had like three speaking roles in the film and i was on that set for three months wow that's great. yeah i wonder what was he so ang was he so uh kind of curmudgingly because he had to be suffering PS ptsd because he had just around that time finished shooting dr moreau and all the drama that went with that movie I think um, I think Dr. Moreau came after. I think oh, it I, did too. I'm, I thought Dr. Yeah. Moreau came out in 1996 as well. So I thought it was. No, um, yeah, because Andersonville was okay. shot before then because, yeah. okay, because um, after we did Andersonville, um, John said that he wanted to use me in a film called Silo 3 Jane, which was another military film uh, okay. um, that actually never got made because he passed away before it got made. Uh, so... So basically, and, and, and John is known for using his actors. It's like right. he has this like corral of actors that he uses, like, you know, Frederick Forrest will see in everything. And, you know, all these, basically he's got these, this like stable of like amazing theater yeah. actors that he uses. And, um, yeah. yeah. And so I was going to be one of them. You know, he's like, all right, we had this other film coming and I want you, so let's keep in touch and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, so he dies. So basically, so I am the, that story of what happens when that shot gets taken away. Yeah. You know, so, so, and it's like, I went from Andersonville and then I, I was in, you might've touched on this, but like Last Dance with Sharon right, Stone. With, and Bruce, so, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Bush, Bruce Beresford. From Bruce who, Beresford. Who directed yeah. Uh, yeah. Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. So I had a little part in that, you know, I got, um, I got killed by Sharon Stone. So actually like, you know, truth be told, you know, the movie wouldn't have happened in case, you know, without my character, because I was the reason that she went <laughs> to death row. So, you know, 
but uh, but yeah so anyway so it's like you know what do you do you know when you, here's here's your shot you know to be like kind of like in you're in with the a-list you know right. you're in with yeah. this with this group of working actors like on these big hollywood movies you know and then he he dies before that got to happen mm-hmm. you know so so then you know the only person that i had that kind of deal with was john yeah you know so nobody else knows nobody else in hollywood gives it who's kyle hester oh oh, right. oh you did something with john frankenheimer oh that's cool but that's not the same as like john frankenheimer using me in his films from right. there on you know so so yeah so then so then here we are you know just kind of like trying to trying to find uh trying to find out you know catch that next coattails like who's that there's only so many famous directors and how do you get in how do you get the opportunity to be in front of them to kind of make it you know as an actor and i'll tell you this it's not fucking easy right. <laughs> no. Of course not. no no because i'm gonna you know and, and yeah and that's why like hollywood will kick your ass you know like people come here you know they're here for maybe two years and they leave because it's so hard so, yeah. so, yeah. so I don't know, but what were we going to talk about? Well, no, so <laughs> it was, so after 1996, there was a eight year gap. And then according to IMDb, of course, and then yeah. you got a job working on team, uh, team America. So um, I'm kind of curious about that eight years. And then also, how did you go to doing miniatures for team America? Yeah. Okay. Did you work with the Chiodos or? Yeah, the, the Kyoto brothers. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, yes. Yeah, no, no, it's all good. How would you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, I, I should have known how to say the name correctly. Yeah, because we're huge I, fans I, of them. There's... Yeah, we're big fans. We're big fans of uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. They made. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah, yeah no, they're they're cool. They're super cool. Um, but okay, so here's here's what happened with that. Okay, so so basically all of that other stuff, um, the Andersonville and Last Dance, that was in Atlanta. Yeah. Right. Okay. So then I like going, okay, well, it looks like, you know, the, the road is, is over here. So mm-hmm. I got to go to LA, mm-hmm. you know? So then I come to LA and I'm like, all right, this, what are we going to do? You know? So I, I get like, you know, I get an agent and I like, I booked some stuff, some Van Halen, you know, videos. And, and that's where you see that, that other, you know, the, um, the, the video game, you know, yeah. and, and stuff like that. Right. So I booked the commercials and, you know, the kind of stuff that like you, that you book when you just get here is like just little things here and there, you know? And so you're all, and they, and they don't just give you, like, no matter how good you are, they're not going to just give you an opportunity to read for, you know, a lead in a TV show. Right. That does not happen. It's not how that happens. So if anyone that's listening wants to come here and just think that you can do that, that doesn't happen, yeah. you know, because it's like just the way that, you know, they kind of like, yeah, we'll give you like an under three, under five, and then maybe give you like, you know, a little, a little guest star here and there and see what happens, see if you get some traction. And, you know, so that, that's how they like build a TV career. But mm-hmm. um, I didn't really have an interest in doing television. So, which is like so funny because of like thinking back on it now, it's like, would I do a TV show? Of course. You know, <laughs> I'd be set. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, Kyle wants to do film, you know? <laughs> so, so, okay. So then, so how do we get from that point of coming here, booking some parts and then, you know, doing that, doing the, the missing, the gap. 
So we started a company called Designs, D-Z-Y-N-Z. And, um, and we were going to basically use the money that we made from doing special effects and set building and that kind of thing. And then we would do our own films. Mm-hmm. So that never happened. We ended up being basically this, you know, company that was doing, you know, just like a, a miniatures and effects. I learned so much stuff doing this um, over the years, like working with that company, but we never ended up making a film, which is what, which is why I was interested in, in starting this anyway, you know? So it's like, so I'm, you know, some years later, and then we do Team America, um, which is what, what we did the third scale sets for. So we did like all of the, you know, the, the Paris set and, and the, um, all of it. Anything that you see that those puppets were on, we made the sets. So, um, wow. and, that, and that was like this huge thing for the company. It was going to like make the company, you know, it's like, it's a million dollar contract with Paramount, you know, mm-hmm. so we're going to be on the map and yada, yada. And then the, some of the people that I was working with just kind of lost their mind, you know, <laughs> which, is, which is what happens when the illusion of money comes into something right so so all of a sudden we we have been like you know barely scraping by and you know now we have this like big thing and then all of a sudden it's like ah three of the people out of the six people in the company were like i'm gonna you know i'm the the boss now and where's all this money going and like all of the the crazy like uh paranoia type stuff yeah you know that that happens when there's money and um and so and it's easy to see like how how some people can deal with it and some people can't and um so anyway so that actually ended up being the end of the company hmm. was um was was that show how know? long were you how, how long had you been scraping by before you got that job and under that company um i think i was doing so it was probably like three years Oh, out of that wow. eight was um was basically here just doing this and that and whatever you know waiting tables and managing coffee shops and you know whatever else and and doing set construction you know doing gigs like that you know yeah. so i did that for like three years while i was booking little parts here and there as an actor that don't show up on imdb because they weren't movies right so um yeah and then basically once so there was five years of the company you know of doing that and I wasn't acting at all during that time where it's like, so I'm like, all right, well, when it, this is not why I came to LA. I mean, I'm, I appreciate the fact that I'm making a living, yeah. you know, but, uh, but it's like, you know, kind of when you're, I don't know, actors are crazy. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> I, it, it's true. It's true because it's like, I don't know. Why couldn't I, that just be okay? Why couldn't it, why couldn't it just be okay? Just like to make a good living doing sets and miniatures. And that's fucking awesome. You well, know, but it's like, you know what I mean? But it's like, no, no. but it's like, no, that wasn't why I was here. Yeah. No, you I, know? Think, I mean, yes, you are crazy, but we all are a little crazy. Anyone <laughs> who is into this horse shit reality or faux reality is a little crazy. Don't you think? It's okay. I mean, we yeah. all have a little bit of a, of a heart of a child, you know, beating in our desk. It's right here. And we we're all a little batshit nuts. So I kind of, I understand exactly what you're saying. You, you made a plan and it, people just forgot and holy shit. Now we finally have a few 
dollars in the bank and let's go batshit crazy, which is what happens between friends, right? You're all friends scraping by and then all of a sudden there's money and we're not friends anymore. Yeah, I've been thinking this entire time. I can't wait to betray these two guys. <laughs> like I, I set my clock around it. I've told them before when they want to quit, that's fine. I will keep doing the show by myself if I have to. But the good thing is, Kyle, is there's absolutely no money in podcasts. No, no. There's no. no money in this. This truly is just for the love of the game. So you know what? This and like the, the business inside of my brain says, huh, there's gotta be a way to change this. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, there's, well, there's got to be a way. No, I'll tell you exactly what the answer is. Adam Carolla said it many years ago, and it's very true. The, the success, the way to have a successful podcast is to be famous. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know what? Yeah. And then maybe, maybe you get famous with, you know, with the podcast. Uh, yeah, maybe three fat white dudes talking about movies. I mean, those are unicorns. There's none of those folks out there in, in the world. Yeah, but it's okay. It's fine. We enjoy what we do. <laughs> That's awesome. That, that is, is awesome. You. Well, you know, there's, there's, I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep thinking about it. Maybe <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I'm curious how you ended up getting into producing. Well, you know, this is a fine, another fine question that you, you have asked. You're Thank very you. welcome. Um, and that was the chair. Right. And so there's a story for the chair. So Wait. the chair, um, actually, Tudley, who's a friend of mine, um, Ezra, Ezra Buzzington. I was going to say actor. still he's a friend of you. <laughs> yeah, 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 he is, actually. Um, he's also in Preacher 6. Um, but uh, so, so I saw on his Facebook page, um, this cool thing. He was doing this, like this movie called the chair. And I was like, Oh, that looks badass, man. Can I get an audition for that? And so I didn't know anybody. I just knew Ezra, you know? So, so he's like, yeah, let me, um, let me put you in touch with Peter Sumetti, um, who was, you know, the creator of the chair, which is a graphic novel. Um, and so, so he's like, yeah, just, uh, just contact Peter. I'll, I'll tell him, tell him that I, you know, gave you a recommendation. So, I did that. Like I got, you know, from that Facebook message with Ezra, I went to Facebook and I wrote Peter and said, Hey man, you know, I'm sure I didn't say that. Hey man. No. Um, so, so I said, uh, you know, Ezra's a friend of mine he, and I'm an actor and I'll, I'll shoot you my reel and, um, and all that. And I would love to have an opportunity to audition for this film. So, and then he's like, yeah, shoot me the reel, you know? And, and then he's like, well, if, if Ezra recommends you, then, you know, well, uh, yeah, I can, I can get you a little part, you know? So I have this role, um, one of the guards, Bowen, I mean, mm -hmm. there's no lines in it, you know? There's no, mm -hmm. there, so I know you've seen the film. So, so yes. when I say that there were zero lines, when, this, when the film started, it was a non-speaking role. So, so, so I was like, and he said, yeah, I'm sure you can like, you know, ad-lib something, you know, um, yeah, that, that would probably be fine. So then as time went on and like Peter realized that I was actually an actor and, you know, you can trust me with lines um, right. and that kind of thing that, uh, so he wrote the part in. So, so then I had like, you know, speaking lines um, that, that you all saw. Right. Um, so, so what happened with, with the chair during pre-production? Um, so I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles at that time. So, and this, that's where the chair was going to be shot. Mm -hmm. So I, so Peter was asking me 
you know, these questions, hey, do you know, you know, sound guys and, you know, do you know this and that and sets and, you know, this. so basically he was asking me stuff about like how to do, do you know people that can make this film happen? And he, and that's what basically what a producer does. Right. So, so he uh, had been interviewing like these big, like kind of a type personality producers. I'm using air quotes. Um, <laughs> In, in LA and um and he's and he was like he hated them he's like yeah man they they're, they're all assholes they you know they want to like recast the film and you know and 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 do this and tell me I can't do this way and they want like 10 grand a week and like you know all this kind of stuff and I can't pay it fuck them you know so this is Peter and he said well you know you seem to know everything Kyle you want to produce it yes so so I said yeah so I said yeah and have I ever produced anything no but have I done just about everything on a film set? Yes. Right. So it's like, okay. So then here we are. And so that was my opportunity to, um, to produce uh, the chair. And, um, and there's, as far as the producing side um, of the chair, there's more to the story. If you'd like to hear that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You go. All right. You go. So, so on the chair, um, we, it was about, three weeks before shooting and we didn't have a location so and it's set in a prison so like you know the uh the director and and the the other uh people that were in that were kind of already in place before i came on board had set up these things to uh to go location scout so they were looking at these city jails and these the old women's prison that was um not not working anymore and so, and for one reason or another, it didn't work. It's like either the scheduling wasn't going to work or there was no power or something like that. And in this one place that I actually got to go to, which was this little city jail down in um, one of the beach cities down, down south of LA. Um, so we walk into this, this city jail and you walk in and you're like, you go, hello, 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 hello. It was like this big echo chamber, you know? And then I basically, I, I snapped my finger like one time and then said a couple of sentences like, we can't shoot here, you know? Yeah. And the director was like, sure we can. I said, no, we can't. It's like, we can just fix it in post. And I'm like, who's going to fix it in post? It's like, you can't fix a whole fucking movie sound in post. <laughs> you know, you'd have to like, you'd have to have all the actors come back and redo the entire dialogue, you know? <laughs> So, um, so this was me, okay, as like the, this guy who came on as a no-line part, all of a sudden I'm the producer of it, so that means that I am responsible for all of it. How it yep. looks, what it sounds like, all of that now falls on my shoulders, not the director. And that's what I think that people don't understand about what the difference between a director and a producer is. Yeah. So a director can come in and wave his hand and go, I want this. And the producer goes, that's not going to happen, but I'll give you this. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> and that's kind of how that relationship works. So, so like the first thing that we go to, I got, I'm telling him that, you know, we can't shoot here. Like that's, it's not possible. And um, so he wasn't happy with me, you know, which sets up an interesting relationship <laughs> as an actor director yep. down the line. Right you know so so uh so yeah so we didn't do it and then so i'm i'm on the phone with, with peter and um and i'm trying to explain to him why we can't do it and he says well what are we gonna do so i said i'll build a set 
so that's what we did. So we mm-hmm. had three weeks until we shot the film. So I'm in my backyard, actually the very backyard I'm in right now. Um, and, and I built that set in three weeks and we put it on a soundstage um, in LA. Really? You, you built an amazingly accurately, what I would, what I, 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 the, the term that comes to mind is it looks very accurately scuzzy for lack of a better term. Like it looks like an aged, nasty prison. And you did that in two weeks. It was full credit three weeks, but yeah. That's because as I was watching, that was one of the things that I actually looked up was I was like, where was this filmed? Because it looks, it it, it looks appropriately, uh, especially in, in, in the beginning, the, that film itself played with my mind because I'm like, yeah, that guy needs to get out. And then by the end, I'm like, maybe he doesn't. Okay, good, good. I see where this went. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it, 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 kudos, it messed with my mind. But the, the, that's, that's really interesting how quickly that you, you brought that together because that's, I kept thinking, um, it made me think in some ways there's a film called Session Nine that was filmed in a, a sanitarium. And there were occasional moments in it where I'm like, where did that door come from? The door to the, the chamber. And I was like, so it was, it, I, I, that's very interesting. Cause it, that was one of the things I wanted to ask. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah. It, it was a, it was a trip and um, it was, it was stressful. And, um, and like, as far as like some inside baseball, um, there was another friend of the director who was going to be um, the UPM, the unit line producer. Yeah. So, so, and in this um, group email, he was, he basically was calling me out about being able to build the set, you know? So, so he, uh, he said, yeah, like in your field of dreams or something like that <laughs> on this mass email talking about me, you know, and so I read the email and I called him like instantly. I said, look, man, I don't know you. You don't know me, but you don't fucking call me out in front of people like that. You know, I'm going to let this go this time. But like, mm-hmm. this is the last conversation we're going to have about this. And I'm building the set and that's what's happening. So that's what, how that went. And he <laughs> left the project after that phone call. Yeah. So. So, and so that was like before shooting. So this is three weeks <laughs> before. Yeah. So this is three weeks before we shoot the film. And, um, and so as I'm building the set, I've now basically one of the director's friends who was going to be the UPA, UPM left mm-hmm. the film, you know, because, because, because everybody thinks that they can talk shit, you yeah. know, until somebody calls them on it, you know, and like, and I'm the first one to go, you can't talk shit to me, you know, because it's like, first of all, I can build the set. And if you want to have a conversation with me, please give me a call and I will explain to you exactly how I'm going to do it, you know, right. but, uh, but people like to have the inflated egos and, and it kind of goes back to the, like what happens when you get money. Yeah. You know, egos, a egos, a it's a funny thing that does to people. Right. But anyway, so yeah, so that's so that's that story. So I do, I'll, Joe. I'm gonna jump in real quick since we're talking about the chair. Um, 
just out of curiosity, and I'm sure you probably get this question a lot, so I'm sorry, but hold on one sec. <clears throat> um, I got to ask, what was it like working with Roddy Piper? Because he is an icon of my childhood. Um, I've always been a fan of his, never got to actually meet him regrettably, but I was kind of curious because you've actually got to work with him in person, got to know him, I'm assuming. I was just kind of curious what Roddy Piper was like. Here's, here's what I'll say. You know how like, um, how sometimes, uh, this is a, a good ending to this setup here. Okay. But mm -hmm. um, when, when some people say you never want to meet your heroes. No, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I, I will tell you this, Roddy Piper is a hero that you want to meet. Okay. Awesome. Because he was exactly, he was the nicest guy and he treated everybody like they're your best friend, you know, and like genuinely interested in what you're talking about. And like, you know, how you doing, man? How's you know, tell me about your marriage. you you got a wife, you know, tell me about like those kinds of questions, like personal, like I want to get to know you, you know, kind of thing and joking around with people and always like lighthearted on set and stuff. So he was awesome and just a genuinely wonderful person. And his performance in that movie was, was amazing. Like it generally genuinely terrified me um, just from his, his uh, sad, as sadistic of a character as he was. Yeah. I, th I think that, I think the chair is probably one of Roddy Piper's best performances. And, I, and the thing I, is, I can't argue that. And the thing is, it's like, you know, and nobody really know. I mean, the chair is not like a breakout hit, like not many people know about it. You know, so I appreciate the fact that we're talking about it right now so that like Roddy can, can get some more, you know, can get credit for the, the work that he's done. Yeah. Uh, I, after I watched it, actually, I, there's a, a group of people that I talked to. And the first thing I said, have you all seen this film? Because I was like, it's one of those things that I, I almost wished I could have saw it in, in a theater with a group of people because I want other people to see it so we can have conversations about it because the setup in the beginning of the film and the way it changes over time, I almost felt like I needed to live tech or live tweet what I was watching because it yeah. was so inner. You know, like, cause at first I was like, Oh no, this is absolutely, you know, what he, he, we need to release him right this second. And then by the end of it, I, the, the, the experience changes. So. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it is a, it is a psychological journey for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm not, I'm going to change up a little bit because you worked on a movie that I, I quite enjoyed that I don't think a lot of people talk about either. And what it was is you were the, you were the art director on several segments of Tales of Halloween. Can you I talk was, was going to bring that up too. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, there, I keep stealing Chad's question. Oh, I'm talking plenty. I'm just glad we're, we're all, this is why we're friends for over t almost 20 years now, Kyle. We all have the same hive mind. Somewhat, awesome. but then we never really agree on, we anything, never agree on anything except for maybe Ghostbusters. And that's quite, that's about it. But I am curious about Tales of Halloween because I think Tales of Halloween was, I, so anthology films, I love them, but a lot of them, unfortunately, but they suck, right? They'll have five different directors and not everybody's equal and it doesn't quite work out. I actually really enjoyed Tales of Halloween. So can you talk about your experiences on that? Well, actually, yeah. I mean, I was pretty much a, just a, a hired gun on that, you know. So, uh -huh. um, so me and uh, Anthony Pierce, who is the production designer, uh, basically, you know, you you have like you know four dollars to uh, to make 
and you know a bunch of really cool sets so um so how are you gonna do it right. you know and um so yeah so that's so that's what we did you know it's like from finding you know thankfully we live in in los angeles so there's lots of craigslist free stuff you know to uh -huh. to find so it's like you know furniture it's like you can't on a low budget thing and it was like it was a, a kind of a a big ask you uh -huh. know to uh to be able to you know set out you know all of these um shorts you know because yeah. they're all different it's not like you got like one thing that you're doing you know it's like you have a bunch of different things to you know to fill out so that's like furniture and lamps and you know all the things that come along what do you see in a house everything that's in that house has to come from somewhere you know so so yeah so we we pulled it all together and you know made some got to play with a bunch of blood and guts and you know haunted halloween um you know the decorations that, that we all pull together from friends and beg borrow and stealing stuff and without the stealing part but yeah <laughs> Were you a fan of any of those directors beforehand? Yeah, you know what's funny? It's like I, I actually was not really um, – I've never really been a big horror fan. Yeah. You know, so it's like – so I didn't – I knew that, like, when I got on set, it's like, oh, wow, these people must be, like, really famous because of the, the way that, like, people are interacting with them, you know? So I'm like, I'm here to do a job. And like, oh, cool, nice to meet you, you know? So it's like, uh, I don't know um, – I, I am, I am a fan of the work that people have done. You know, it's like if you can make a name for yourself doing anything, it means that you have done something that few other people can do. You yeah. know, and that that you you've kind of like uh you haven't pissed off a whole lot of people and you're still doing it. <laughs> you know, and 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 that's awesome. You know, and so so yeah, I mean, it's like I'm not starstruck easily yeah i'd say jack nicholson would be like the only person i think you know because as a, as an actor it's like i can't be starstruck you know it's like you because you have to work with these people because you're fucking acting with them no i completely know? i completely agree with that we moderate a lot of uh, conventions uh, regionally and we do a f and i do one lexington comic-con which it's fairly bigger. It's actually bigger than Louisville's and Cincinnati's and stuff. And you're absolutely right. You just, what good would it do me to get on stage and start interviewing somebody from Starstruck? It would, it would look terrible. Right. Then I have to let it go. There's very few times. And the more we do it, the more it, it, it becomes commonplace. And people always ask me about famous people or actors and I always say, hey, just like normal people, 90% of them, fantastic. A lot of fun to be around. 10% assholes. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. that, that's really how I, I size it up. There's only ever been a couple people that I've met, two or three, that have been, oh, my God. Like you said earlier, I'm so, I, I'm so sad I met a couple of my heroes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. <laughs> it is a bummer. It, it is. I mean, you know, because here's the thing. It's like, because just like you were saying, I mean, it's like we're all, we're all people. You know, people. and yeah, so, no. and, and it's like, and that's kind of, and you're either like that and, and that's kind of like, that's in your genetics, you know, or mm -hmm. you can be predisposed to being the, the pre, pre Madonna yep. jerk, you know, and, and you have that. So it's like, there's all kinds of different people, but I remember on the, when I was on the set of, of last dance and this is like my second film and I'm nobody, you know, at yep. the time I'm, and I'm um, this little kid, 
you know, comes up and, and he saw that I was, you know, talking to Sharon Stone and, you know, so oh, you're an actor, you know, can I have your autograph? And I said, uh, I said, only if I can have yours. Oh man, and, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And he said, why do you want mine? You know, I said, well, you're just as awesome as I am. You just don't know it yet, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so, so, you know, I, I gave him mine and he gave me his and, and it's like, and that's the kind of thing that I think people will remember. I hope. Yeah. I've got to ask you a question. Do you have, and you don't have to tell it if you don't, but how was your experience working with Sharon Stone? Do you have a horror story? <laughs> no, man. As a matter of fact, I don't. And she was super nice. And I will tell that forever. You know, she was a very nice person, super, super professional and um, nothing, nothing good, but good things. And she just wanted to, to work and do a good thing. And she was not like a prima donna. I mean, there's like other people that are way less famous than Sharon Stone who have been more prima donna like on, on sets. So, I mean, I didn't, I don't have experience with her or on any other set, but, but no, she I was agree. awesome. No, there's no, some, there's someone who is very notable, who's not, who's not easy to work with. And I've met before and had an absolute wonderful time with it. So I understand what you're saying. I, yeah. I did not experience the same thing that other that multitudes have experienced. Yeah, no, but she was awesome. She was very cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, <coughs> excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry about that. So has there been someone you've worked? Well, I don't want to put you out, but is there someone that I, I'll ask and you can tell me no. Has there been someone that you've worked with that you would say, ah, I wouldn't do it again if I could? Um, see, that's a tricky question. To it ask. is a tricky I mean, question because you work in the business and you don't have to answer it. That's okay. I, no, I, I mean, I mean, look, yes, absolutely. Right. There, there are people that like, you know, that, that I've worked with, um, recently, you know, that, uh, that I would not invite onto another set. Yep. You know, and, and, and we I, may not even I, know who they are, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you might, you know, it's like, um, it's like, here's the thing. It's, it's, if people think that they are bigger than the thing that they're working on, then that becomes a problem you know, and, um, and it's like, it, it's just, it just that, uh, the ego thing, like ego comes before the fall, yeah. you know? And, um, and it's like, people will find themselves falling out of a career by being an asshole. It's like, you know, those, it's like the people, it's like, Oh, if you didn't piss off enough people, you get to have a career. And if you piss off too many people, like where's your career? Yeah. You know, because it's like the film industry is a, is an industry of people. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it's like if you're one of those kind of trouble on set, you know, ego, prima donna, you know, all that kind of stuff. And a prima donna can be a guy or a girl. Absolutely. So not being sexist. No, um, the, the people I've met who've been horrible have all been men. <laughs> isn't that a bitch? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've, we've, we've dealt with some people in both both sexes, but the, the, the truly horrible ones have been men. <laughs> so, it's funny how that works out. I know. Yeah. I, know. I think they get away. I think, I think the world is sexy. I do think they get away with it a little bit more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But so anyway, good enough the topic. Go ahead. So Chad. I do want to ask a question um, about, about filmmaking, if that's okay. Yeah. Because um, you have a, a, and you mentioned this earlier about, you know, short films or, 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 you know, just the same as a, a regular length film it's just a regular length film is a really long short story 
but in terms of shooting and acting and everything involved with a short film versus a long film, a long form film, uh, what can you give us some comparisons? Because I'm I'm just kind of curious how like a set on a short film works differently than a set on a short on a on a on a feature length film. If that makes sense. I would I would say the difference is the difference between like um, a hundred yard dash mm-hmm. and like a mile run. Yep. You know, so, so it's like, because like the days are long and it's like a, a film set, as you know, it's like, it's, it's very kinetic and high, high energy and high stress because you got to get your shots and all of that. So it's like, you have to be ready mentally for the marathon that you're about to get into, you know, so, and that's, um, you know, try to get sleep, you know, and uh, that's like, one of the things is like, not easy to come by. Well, I mean, maybe for other people, but it's like, if you're producing something or, or if you're in charge of things, like if you're in charge, the heads of departments, you know, your department heads have to be really super organized and ready for the like three days ahead so that they're not scrambling for, Oh damn it. I needed red candles for this. You know, like we're about to shoot and like, there's no red candles. And it's like on the freaking script, where are the red candles? You know what I mean? That's up next, you know? So then if they're out running out, you know, sending somebody to Kmart to go get some red candles right before something, then something has fallen through the cracks, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so it's just like it's just a, having everyone on the same page and super organized and going for the marathon and also having good food on set that's going to keep <laughs> people energized you know yeah. where you don't have a bunch of candy and sodas and stuff like that just gonna, it's going to crash everybody in two days you know so having healthy stuff on set too okay i never thought about that so I, I we've got to move on to your second producing credit. So let's talk about your zombie picture. Where I, where was it shot? Um, Which, um, it it was shot in Manhattan. Manhattan. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were um, we were in all actually all over the city, huh. but yeah. So it was like shot in July, the hottest week of the summer. <laughs> like that opening scene where I like come down into the basement. Yeah. Um, so that was like a that was a basement, and it was like a hundred degrees in that room um, for three days, and and it's like I actually suffered from that. It's like I almost got kind of kind of heat sick, you know, mm-hmm. from it for being in there for three days in a row. Yeah. But uh, but we all thankfully it was only three days because then we got to kind of go outside and shoot some night stuff and probably get our bodies back back together. But uh, but yeah. So so full disclosure. Um, I was a co-executive on that. So basically Hilton um, Ruiz is the creator of that and the director. Yeah. Um, he was, he was the producer. And so I came on um, to play the role, Hank Ray and, um, and let's like, you know, let's crowdfund it together and we'll raise money for it. Right. You know, and get it. And so that's, that was my role. So as far as like all the other stuff that I described about producing, I didn't do any of that. So Hilton did all that for a zombie. Okay, well, I really, damn it, because I had a couple of questions about the making of it. Maybe you can answer it for me. I really liked a lot of the drone shots. Yeah, and that's, a, that's Hilton's guy. And um, so the guy that, that he 
that he got to do those drone shots like is like a famous drone flyer really so yeah does, they were yeah. really good they were really mm -hmm. good. yeah 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 so he does um you know like super bowl commercials and like so that's like what he does so yeah. so like there's some um some key elements that like you know hilton paid a lot of money for yeah so well and that was what i was going to ask too about the animation in the film uh, was that was that stylistic was that a stylistic choice was that a money choice was it a combination of all those things that was actually um not a money choice because that was expensive too uh really that guy yeah because yeah. that guy that did that animation um did the animation like for mtv like he huh. was like super famous for doing that style animation on mtv a lot so um so yeah so hilton just like as you know director brain he was like ah oh, i gotta have something really cool you know so right well I I was, let's let's do that yeah as i was watching i was like what the hell and then i went back and was like did i miss something you know what i mean because it's it's jarring but i really enjoyed the animation in it and i i was interested too because it's based on a short film you did the short film correct before they did the movie. um it, yeah web series web series okay yeah so he, he had like five or six um web webisodes on it's on youtube mm-hmm yeah, so it's all based. It's all based like on off of that. So, so basically, here here's how I got involved with Zombie with a Shotgun. Please, um, uh, he had seen you know because we're like we're both big on Twitter. So he had seen me on Twitter. So we're like familiar with each other on Twitter. you know, um, having you know a lot of followers and right. um, and some traction on Twitter. And so so we get on the phone. And, uh, and I was like, Hey man, you know, what's, what's going on, bro? You know, you do a, what are you doing with this? You know, you, you're going to, you're going to make a movie. He's like, I don't know. I mean, I've been thinking about it. I've got some, uh, you know, some people that are maybe interested, some like big money people I'm using air quotes again. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that they're, they're talking about financing it. And I was like, really, is, is it happening? And, uh, he's like, no, they're kind of being flaky. And I was like, dude, this, it's not going to happen. Let's just do it. You know, as I said, I said, let's just do it. Let's just let's launch a Kickstarter. You know, he's like, really? I said, yeah, let's do it. He said, all right, let's do it. So then from that conversation, like two weeks later, we had um, the first crowdfunding up for it. And so that's how it got made. And that's how things get made. It's just by, just by making the decision yeah. to do it. Sheer determination. It's like, yeah, determination and just the choice. Because it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be the right time to start something. And then it's five years down the line and you didn't do it. I completely agree with you. We've talked about this before and I'll talk to freshmen coming in or they'll, I have something as, so how do you, how do you be successful? And I, and I always say, and I said, this is going to sound stupid to you. And if you're 18 and 19, it won't make sense, but it does for older people. You will beat half your competition just by showing up. Yep. Because a lot of people talk shit. A lot of people talk about what they're going to do and they have very little follow through. So if you just start and do something, then people after a while will just follow. Then if you just yeah. do it, if you just say, I'm going to be X, if you do that a few times and people go, oh, Kyle's X, right? Right. Okay. And, and let me, let me, uh, okay. I'll give you another example for your students. Yeah. Um, because like when, when I decided that like, okay, I'm, I'm, going head first in here, you know, to independent film. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, had done the chair and, um, and I had been trying to raise money for this other film that didn't end up happening. And I was like, okay, so who, how do you make 
yourself into something that people will know who that is. Yep. So, so you have to ask these questions so that you can answer them. And like, for me, it's like, all right, well, if I want people to know who I am, I have to introduce myself. So how do I do that? I'm going to do it one person at a time. So I started following people on Twitter and mm -hmm. it's like, and the, and the people that either that follow you back are going to be following you back because they're interested in who you are or what you're doing. And if they don't follow you back, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it, you know, and you just, so I followed people for three years to build this following. Uh -huh. So it's like, so that's how it's like, yeah, I've done some stuff. You know, I mean, you've, we've talked about it, you know, but it's right. like, how do you let other people know without having like a publicist for, you know, five grand a month or something like that, which I've never really had any money. So it's like, I have to be my own publicist. So, so I would like tweet things, you know, about stuff that I've done, you know, here's my acting reel, give it a like, share it if you like it, you know, make some jokes, tweet about <laughs> politics, tweet about, you know, um, being a Viking, you know, it's like whatever, whatever is like personal to me that it's like, so you're sharing information about yourself and you're sharing information about what you do. Because yeah. people are, get invested in you as a person, unless you're just like an A-list famous person because, you know, you're just famous because you just did this multi-bazillion dollar film and you played Batman. And then, the, oh, that's that new guy that played Batman. Yeah, he's pretty good. I think I'll follow him. But if you don't have that opportunity, then you have to do it the other way. Yeah. Well, you could probably teach us a lot about that. That's probably exactly what we need to work on more. Um, I, I, I mean, I really have got to ask you about Preacher 6. And if I don't, I know it's not out yet. I don't know how much you can tell us about it, but can you give us a little bit of information? Can you tell us what you're doing? What a little bit about it? Who's in yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Zach Galligan's in it. Yeah, basically Preacher 6 is is kind of like, um, it's my, my baby that's waiting in the wings. You know, um, it's, it's the thing where after, after I did the chair, because there's a little bit of a story to how that kind of happened too. Oh, tell and it, please, from beginning so to end, yeah. I had been involved in this other PTSD war movie that, um, that we were trying to get funding for. And it, it, after about five years of trying to raise money for it and get traction, and we have a... Um, there's a, a sizzle reel trailer for it that, that I got some of my friends um, to, to help out and do. Um, then it got, when, and this is another money thing. It's like when the money became potentially real, the, one of the major people in it lost their mind and, and, and would not give me a, um, a paperwork when, you know, what's that thing that you sign when you need rights to do something? Um, uh, help me out. Um, release form. Yeah, it's it's like uh, it's yeah. like basically giving you giving you the rights to be able to represent a project. Oh, okay, yeah. So so and he would not sign this paperwork. So he's like, I'll if I want to, I can take this film out from under you whenever I want. And I was like, oh all right, well, I guess this is our last phone call then. And this was after, and this was after five years. Oh, so heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is the kind of shit. It's like, Oh, so this is another good thing for your students. Always have paperwork. 
always it's, have yeah. paperwork that that puts you in a legal position for the project that you're putting all of your life into. Yeah. Because if you don't, then you have no legal recourse. So was it basically you had taken out a verbal option on it? Is an option I think is That's like, it. Option. Yeah, option. Yeah. Option. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's like, yeah, I could have, you know, I could have, it's California. So it's like, basically, you know, a, a verbal contract is, is a, is a contract, you know, yeah. but, um, but at that point it's like, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go down that road cause I don't have money for lawyers and, you know, right. and there's nothing there yet, you know? So basically the whole thing blew up and, um, and this was like after five years, you know, of, of working on something and, um, and I'm livid. So I'm in my backyard and I'm kicking, kicking shit around and throwing th things. And then I got a couple of cocktails in me now and my wife's inside and she's pissed <laughs> off and, you know, she's like fucking throwing things too. And, and then, um, so, and she's like, she's a writer, she's an artist, she's amazing. Um, so, and I walk inside and I'm like, gonna go get a, something else to drink. And I walk inside and, and she's, <laughs> she's walking around the house and she's saying, preacher. <laughs> like that and I'm like that's really weird what are you doing <laughs> you know and she said I don't know but it's really cool and then she started like telling me this idea that she was having about this film and and then she started telling me the story about this like small town preacher who who comes to the big city and he's like fighting demons and and like it's telling me this like story and like there's this powers and you know and these other people and they can do things and i'm like what the fuck is this and i'm like this is like we're doing this this is what we're doing yeah. and and it's like i put so much time into every everyone else's projects that it's like this is ours we're doing this for ourselves from the ground up this is it so like preacher six is mine right so it's like it, like from everything you know, from the inception to where it is now, which is a post-production. So yeah. if you want to see, um, you know, trailers, you can go on YouTube. We have like several trailers on, on YouTube. If you just look up Preacher 6, you'll, they'll come okay. up. Yeah. But uh, We'll I take would... those with when we post the episode. Cool. But yeah, I think, um, oh, I kind of wish you could watch it now. Do you have a TV? Do you have a computer? I do. I do. We are in the middle of recording. So I will, I don't think I can pull it up on Zoom, but okay, I'll right, never it. mind, never mind. But uh, anyway, as as we're done that would have been that. Yeah. Cool, right. cool. Um, but yeah, so, so right now, um, yeah, we're in, it's like, that's one of those things where we kind of went bigger, go home, because there's a lot of VFX in it. And, yeah. and so that's where we are right now. It's like, you know, the editing is like, you know, it's, it's kind of done. The like, timeline's done of editing. And so now we're in like, holy shit, like, like this, this VFX, which, you know, when you don't have, it's like time and money. Uh -huh. And so, uh, you know, and, and it's like, you got to pay people to do things, you know? So now we're, we're still trying to raise money, you know, to, uh, to, to finish the film. And here we are in coronavirus land and nobody has any money and everyone's panicking about, you know, right. what they're going to do with their life, you know? So, so yeah, so Preacher 6 is there. And, um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll apply for one of those SBA loans and, and that'll be the answer, you know? Well, hopefully, but, uh, 
Exactly. Yeah, people people talk about that. Rob Zombie did three, uh, not three from hell, but uh, thirty one, and his was crowd. It was crowdfunded. And he actually had it financed. And he talked about the crowdfunding money actually went for post because he he was talking about if you're not familiar with film, it, that's where a lot of money goes. That you're always running out of money in post, and that's where yeah. he saved all of his crowdfunding money for was for post. That's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's 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 kind of where we are right now. We're we're in in post production on it, and um, it's it's gonna be awesome, man. I, it's like uh, so one of you while we're talking needs to go on a phone, and just pull up the trailer. Yeah. One one thing I want to bring up. I'm with watching Preacher it now. Six, <laughs> <laughs> one thing I want to bring up with Preacher Six is it it uh unfortunately for the loss but it, it will be the last film of carmen argiano and i may have mispronounced that uh i have issues with pronunciation on a good day um but can you talk about uh because you know he has a long history of film um going i mean it seems like you've got a lot of talent in this film and 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 one of the things i know you mentioned was wanting to finish this film kind of to make sure he gets his his due there as well yeah um okay here carmen argenziano um we met on the set of andersonville oh yeah yeah so like coming full circle and that is also where i met peter mernick who is also in the film and he plays um one of the other preachers in it um so he was he's awesome as well and uh so and that that's kind of like how like all these actors that you recognize are like people that I've worked with before, you know, it's like, it's like, so I've, I've always had this like mental Rolodex of like, if I, if I was going to make a movie, who would I want to work with, you know, that I've worked with in the past, you know? So, so then it's, so that's, that's what I did, you know? So it's like, um, uh, most of the people in there are, are, our friends or our people that I had worked with in other films, including Zach Allegan from, um, you know, the chair. And, um, yeah, we were going to have another friend of mine who couldn't make it, but, uh, but yeah, so the, lots of those people were, were people that I had, you know, made a, just make a call, you know, go, Hey man, you know, doing a movie, you know, you want to be in it. It's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know like that's that's kind of that's kind of the thing and then it's just on on me to to make it happen you know and so that's where it comes back again full circle don't be an asshole and then you will have friends and then they will work with you <laughs> yeah i just watched two of the trailers it looks intro it, it does i i, I it looks kind of like preacher if you've ever seen a red preacher but it also looks uh it's got a matrix feel too i mean there's a bunch of stuff mixed in there i'll i seems really enjoyable plus you're getting your ass kicked in the woods oh yeah yeah that's how <laughs> that's how we opened the film so yeah. uh yeah yeah man it's it, that's what i'm saying it's like we definitely went went big on it and there is there is a lot of cgi in it and um so yeah that's where we just have to keep going and, and keep raising money to uh to get it done but we'll we'll have it out you know as as long as like the world is in lockdown for the whole year you know we're hoping to have it out this year yeah, I, it's just we were. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, the other day. Called me. He's doing some some. He's a retired production designer, and it's well, he's a friend of ours. He's a friend of the show. His name's Mick Strawny. 
He's a production designer on Not Rolling Street 4, Not Rolling Street 3. I go through a whole list. And that's what he was talking about. I was asking him about how it was. And he said, well, the good thing is if you're a grip in Hollywood, you know how to install a toilet. So because of what Hollywood <laughs> works. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, definitely. A lot of the, a lot of the laborers, you know, will find work, but it's it's everything shut down right now. Oh yeah, no, there's there's nothing happening. There, is, I mean, as a matter of fact, like um, construction is illegal now. I mean, like you'll I you'll know that. yeah, you'll go to you'll have a, a ticket or something like all construction is shut down in L.A. So it's like uh, unless you work in a grocery store or mm -hmm. you know a Rite Aid or work for yeah. Amazon or something like that or an Uber. You know, you, you are pretty much either working from home or you don't have any way to work. And yeah. that's what, that's where I fall, you know, cause I don't have a car that's good enough, you know, to drive Uber. And, um, so, so yeah, so here I am like, like many others. No, I know. And it's sad. And we hate that for you. I'm lucky enough to, that we have a job that we can work from home, but yeah, it's, if it makes you feel any better, I'm at home with my wife and that two and a half year old now, and uh, trying to schedule Zoom meetings has been a pain in the ass. If it makes you feel any better, <laughs> right on. Well, man, well, I'm glad that uh, that you get to to spend some time with. Right. With yeah. That's awesome. All right. So, I'm, I'm in the interest of time, we'll, we'll start wrapping things up. Uh, the other two boneheads have any questions? Go ahead. Well, one of the things that I do want to say, you mentioned that you're you're um, still doing some funding. Uh, I, one of the things that I noticed was you you had the GoFundMe set up for some of the final uh, finalizing the film, the post production. We will uh, 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 retweet that as well and get some of that out as well uh, because I I want to see this movie. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's like we we need all the help we can get, and yeah, I haven't because of like what. I am trying to be sensitive to what's going on. So I, I haven't really been pushing the, um, that particular aspect, you know, because, uh, I think when it first started, you know, I, uh, I sent out a, a, you know, a few DMS, Hey, check it out, you know, yada, yada. And then, Hey man, you know, I got a lot of like, don't you know what's going on? And I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, we'll do it on your behalf. Sensitivity <laughs> never has been our strong suit. No, nobody, nobody's <laughs> going to accuse us of being empathetic. So don't worry. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be the bad guys. We're perfectly fine with yeah, that. We're fine with it. I love it. I love it. All right, Chad, uh, do you have anything? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just want to promote. Um, so get the Tubi app and watch the chair. And uh, if you have Amazon Prime, check out Zombie with a Shotgun. You can watch it for free on the Amazon Prime. Yep. Yeah, Zombie with a Shotgun is also on Tubi as well. Oh, it is? I didn't look because yeah. I found it on Amazon Prime first. <laughs> yeah, that's actually where I watched it was Amazon Prime. was Zombie with a Shotgun was on Amazon Prime. Right. Watch it wherever you can. Yeah. Leave a review if you would be so kind. Absolutely. 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 All Very right, cool. Mr. Hester, thank you so much. We will definitely send out some stuff about preacher six and if you're okay with it we will tag you to hell and back when we post this which will probably be this saturday or sunday of course yeah and, and i will i will retweet the hell out of it you're the man thank you so much we appreciate it thank you well, for thank you for having taking me on. a random request to do this i greatly appreciate it thank you oh i do have one last question if you don't mind not at all. Do you, do you have any? I, I'm a huge Frankenheimer fan. Do you have any other stories? Did you get to hang out with him on the set at all? More than just being there and kind of being, did you get to talk to him at all? Get to know he, him? Uh, yeah, you know, I wish I, I wish I had an opportunity to talk to him more. 
um, but I mean, after I was able to go and like meet with him, um, yeah, you know, after you know here in LA because we did some ADR and uh, another. <laughs> see, this is like another stupid actor, Kyle. When I was you know a, a young actor, so I'm doing ADR with uh, with Frankenheimer, uh -huh. and um, ADR for those who don't know is when you're doing additional recording. Oh, yeah like you're dubbing your voice so you're looking at yourself acting and you're matching your voice to what you're doing on screen so so i'm doing this and i and i had like these boots on so 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 i'm i'm you know i'm doing the thing and uh and then john says hey you know sometimes um it might be it might be easier if you took your shoes off you know and uh and, and i was like oh right on right on and I was thinking that he would just suggesting something that might be easier for me, you mm -hmm. know? And I was like, no, I'm cool. I'll just leave him on, you know? And then like I, we did it again and he said, it, it might be better if you took your shoes off. You know, he was trying to be polite saying your boots are making noise, bro. <laughs> you know? And it was just like, I'm, I didn't get him saying it. I was like, oh shit, I look like such an asshole right now. But, uh, <laughs> but no. But yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> That's he was great. Awesome. So I did take my boots off and I did it barefoot, you know, like I should have. Yeah. They died with their boots on. This should be the name of the episode. All right. <laughs> well, Kyle ruins Easter. Kyle ruins Easter. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you can use that one. That's freaking awesome. I think that's probably perfect. Chad's right. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. We appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time. And good luck with Preacher 6. We'll promote the hell out of it for you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Thank you no for having me on. All right. Thank, thank, thank you. So much. Sure. Nice meeting you, man. Have a good night. Grrrr. <sighs>